0: Tomorrow marks the 12th year anniversary of the journey that eventually became Grace Life Church. So this time of year is awesome. It's a new year, first Sunday of the year, January 2nd, but January 3rd marks a special day for me because 12 years ago, January 3rd, 2010, was the the day that we acted on a new year's resolution. We're gonna get right with God. We're gonna start going to church. And at the time it was just a where Laura uh, had just had, no, she was pregnant with Grace and we wanted to get involved in, in a church so our child would grow up in church because good moral people go to church. And, and so that, that was really the heart behind it. That was it. I wasn't trying to change my life. I wasn't trying to do anything spectacular. I just wanted my child to grow up in church. So back then, I mean, I guess iPhones and stuff were around, but the GPS and stuff wasn't quite what it is today. So I got on the old Google on Saturday evening, and I typed in non-denominational church near me. And all these churches popped up, and one just stuck out to me. And um, I, I, then I got over to MapQuest remember MapQuest, and I, I printed out directions. <laughs> wasn't that long ago, but a lot's changed, I guess, 12 years, and uh, I, I printed out directions over there, and then uh, the next morning, we, we headed out to Rocky Mountain Family Church in Pueblo, Colorado, and so we went, and what's funny about looking it up, nothing really stood out about this church. Their website was horrible. There wasn't any Information really on there, but I don't know. Something about their website and that what, what their mission was and everything really stuck out to me, so that's what we did. So we got in the car the next morning and drove, and we got to this church, and I started to look around the parking lot, and I saw these big statues everywhere, big statues of old people, saints or something, and I'm like, that doesn't look like normal for the churches that I had been to. And I we got out of the car, started walking up and I saw right in front of the building a, a statue of Mary. I'm like, hmm, okay. And then I saw King Jesus statue of him in a robe and a, a legit crown, not a crown of thorns, but like royalty. And I'm like, I don't think this is Rocky Mountain Family Church. I think this is a Catholic church. And I mean that's that's cool, you know, but we're not Catholic. So what what is so not only did this church have a horrible website with very little information. Their MapQuest stuff was all off too, but there was, I was done making excuses on why we shouldn't go to church, and I just felt like there was always something that kept us, and it kept us from going, and I don't usually give in to those excuses, and I was like, not today, Satan, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna find this church, and I don't know where to go, because this was the only church that we could see in the area, but I don't know, it was just, we got back in the car and just happened to turn right out of the parking lot into a neighborhood, into a r- bunch of houses and everything. And there was this building over there that did not look like a church because it originally wasn't. It was a fitness center before that they had bought and transformed it into a. a it was a fitness center that they transformed into a, a church. And even the outside, just one little sign over the door, kind of like what we have around here. You know, just not a lot of advertisement going on. And. and we went in there, and we sat down, worship started, and the, the worship team was uh, not good, I'll say that. It was, I mean, I could deal with some stuff, but this was distractingly horrible, horrible stuff. It's like they just said, hey, y'all play today, and uh, screaming at me and all this stuff. And Anyway, it's not important. They're not going to watch it. We can talk about them behind their back. It's fine. But the, 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 I've joked about it with our pastor now because I was like, man, I don't know how y'all survived those years because you go in and this guy's screaming in your face. But anyway, so, so I go in. and I'm like, another thing, another reason. Old Clint would have been like, get your purse. We're out. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. We'll try again next week. But something in me said, stay. And then the pastor gets up, Pastor Mike. Davis. Some of you have met him. He got up, and it wasn't this profound message or anything. It was just a, a typical message, it, but it spoke to me different, and I had been to church. I say I didn't grow up in church. I went to churches. My dad would drag us to church on, on special occasions and that sort of thing, but it, nothing was ever real to me. I was never involved in church. It was just enough to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but nothing really ever stuck, and so Pastor Mike gets up and he says, he starts talking just about how to succeed in the workplace. That's it. And I still remember it 12 years later. And, and it was just, if, if you show up, you're better than 20% of people. If you show up on time, you're better than 40% of people. If you show up on time, ready to work, you're better than 60 And if if you're looking, if you show up on time, ready to work, looking for opportunity, you're better than 80% of the people. And then he said, if you show up with all those things, knowing that God is with you, you're better than 100% of the people in that company. And you'll experience favor and you'll experience things because you know you're not alone. So he's talking about this, and it was just in a way that it made God look different to me. And I don't really know what I thought about God before then, but it definitely wasn't a personal relationship. It was kind of a distant thing, mystical, sparkly cloud somewhere in the universe that maybe someday, if I'm on my best behavior, will reach down and bless my life. I never once thought about God as a, a, a person, a friend, a comforter, and someone who's for me, not against me. I never thought of that, ever. So he took this the Lord took this message that was pretty basic, to be honest with you, and radically transformed my life with it. And it started this, I mean, there would be no Grace Life Church without January 3rd, 2010. It started something, it sparked something on the inside of me. I went home from that service, he he challenged us that that month to, to read a chapter in Proverbs every day of the month. So I started to do it. I started to get in this book here And I was excited to do it every single day. Something started to change on the inside of me. And I started to get involved in that church. And I started greeting uh, initially in that church. I started mowing the grass. I started painting the church. I started doing every, every time there was a need in the church, I was there because I wanted to be involved in something that was bigger than myself. And as I did that and I was faithful in those little things, it started to increase. And I started to gain more in that church, more responsibility, more influence in that church. I started to, to find opportunities to, to speak as different things. And it just became something. But I remember one day, it was only about, I don't know, probably six months in. Six months in, I mean, I was still just showing up and, and doing a little bit here and there, but nothing real profound. But I, I used to sit, I was, I was never like y'all, hardcore, super, hyper-spiritual people right here in the front row. I was more like Michelle. Now, <laughs> I, was, I was a second, so if Pastor Mike sat here where I sit, I was always right behind him. That's where I sat, I was a second row kind of guy. And, and I, I would sit there, he'd get up and start preaching and something in, in me, I'd listen to what he was saying and I'd think, how would I say this? How would I preach? And I wasn't picking it apart, finding what I disagree with, as some do. It was was something that where where it was like, this is good. How could I add my own spin to it? How could I, I communicate this in my own way? And this desire to teach started to come up on the inside of me, which was completely out of the realm of possibilities at that time because I was an introvert. I still am. If any of you have talked to me, all of you have, most of you have, but if you talk to me one-on-one, you're like, you're super awkward. You're actually not what I thought you were at all, but it's it's who I am. I'm more comfortable up here than I am out in the foyer, but but this, so to even think and imagine myself up here was like, there's no way. There's no way that this could happen, but it was just on the inside of me. And for a couple months, this, every, every time I heard him say any, or teach anything, that's what would happen on the inside of me. How would I communicate this? How would I teach this? What's my own personal revelation in this area? And I never told anybody that I was feeling this way. I didn't tell Laura. I didn't tell anybody. I never even said it out loud. And so I was getting involved in these, he would get together with just three or four of us guys on Monday afternoon. Pastor in his office, and we would listen to a teaching, and then we, we would discuss it and kind of go around talking about what impacted us. And we finished up that meeting, and he asked me to stay. Everyone else left. He asked me to stay. He just looked at me and he said, "You feel called to ministry, don't you?" And I, I just, I never, like I said, never told anyone. And I just said, yeah. And right, just that, yeah. It was like this weight was lifted off my shoulders in that moment. And it was like this, this prophetic word of knowledge. I don't know what you wanna call it, but he just spoke something and it caused me to put action to what, was, what I was feeling on the inside. And I'm not gonna go down this whole story uh, right now, but, but I ended up uh, going to Bible college I ended up becoming the youth pastor of that church, and I started looking for opportunities to, to exercise this gift, because where I was at that time, it was just not possible. And I know I've said, told y'all this story before, but there, there's times where, because I started to get to know our pastor, he would mention me in his, his sermons, and I was right there, second row, And he wouldn't say, Clint, get up here and and share something. He would just say, yeah, I was talking to Clint the other day and, you know, whatever. And I would just start sweating. I would start shaking. I'm like, oh. And, And I could, you know, you hear that heart, your pulse in your ears. And I'm like, oh, boy. And it's just him mentioning my name. He can't even say my name in a message. And now I got this desire to get up and actually speak in front of people. It just made no sense. So I started, I knew that God was calling me to something that was, out of the realm of possibility at that time. So what was I going to do about it? Well, I started to look for opportunities. And so I became a youth pastor. And I remember that first Wednesday night, we would have a church on Wednesday and the youth would be, we had a, down in the basement of the church, we would have youth group. It was six kids, all leadership. I mean, the church was about our size. It was a small church and, and all the kids were homeschooled preacher kids or, you know, just people, they didn't have friends. They were just there. Nothing wrong with homeschool. We've homeschooled in the past. I'm just saying that they didn't have like the ability to, to start inviting all their friends from school to the youth group and that sort of thing. But anyway, I go down there and I, I don't even know what I preached about. It was one of those messages I probably would love to have back, but teenagers don't listen anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I was, I, I, we had this cart and I rolled it in front of me so those kids couldn't see my legs shaking in front of these six kids. I couldn't, it was so hard, but as time went on, I got better in that youth group. The the church was still a small church, but we grew that youth group to 35 kids. And and God started to do things. I mean, 35 teenagers in an 80 member church was, it's a pretty big youth group, if you think about it. And, And so God was doing something. And I started looking for opportunities in our men's meeting Pastor Mike would start asking me to speak there, and I was terrified, but I knew I was called to something more, and I needed to exercise this gift. And then we, we would serve at, at homeless shelters, and a lot of the homeless shelters, if, you, if they want to eat, they need to sit through a message. And I know that they're not listening. They're just wanting to, to eat something, but, but I would get up, and I, I would share at these homeless shelters and then I get opportunities to speak at other small churches in the area. And, and it, it just, and I started to improve and improve and get more comfortable and, and things started to take place. And I'm, I'm sharing that story because each one of you, each one of us has been called to something. Each one of you has a gift. Each one of you has a gift that will benefit you. And even more importantly, you have a gift that will benefit the world. But it's not going to happen automatically and i think that's where we lose it a lot of times we know that we're made on purpose for a purpose we know that we're ordinary people called to live extraordinary lives through a guilt-free unreligious relationship with god and something starts to take place on the inside of us but then there's that now what what are you going to do with it because god's given you everything you need for life and godliness He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have the power of God that raised Christ from the dead. You have it. You're not trying to attain it. You're in possession of all those things right now. But if you don't put your hand to something, you're not going to experience the fullness of it. And And then life is going to be less fulfilling. And things aren't, I'm not saying things won't work out. You're blessed whether you pursue it or you don't but you're not going to experience the fullness of that blessing. You're not going to experience the fullness of the kingdom, heaven on earth. We have to act on what we know to be true here, even if it's outside the realm of possibilities. I've had to do it. It's been 12 years and we're still working on it. We're still I watch these messages every week and I'm like, "Boy, <laughs> you got to got some work to do." I went through some old messages just the other day from from two, three years ago, I'm like, man, thank y'all so much for sticking around. And I'll probably be saying that two or three years from now. But God has placed a dream within you. Again, a gift that you need to open and a gift that the world needs, but it's not going to happen automatically. First Peter 4 verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift You have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'm going to read it again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God's grace... Is God's riches at Christ's expense, G R A C E. It's everything that I just said. Everything, every promise of God that is available to you, not because you're so wonderful and do everything perfectly, but because He is and He has. And then you get this, this gift and you get to use it. What, what happens with a lot of people is they hear that they've, they've already been given all these things. We're not trying to earn anything from God. You're already a possessor of it, and they, they don't have to strive anymore. So then it, the pendulum goes way out, and they don't use any of it because they're not trying to earn it anymore, and they're not trying to get God to love them anymore because he loves you unconditionally. And if your, your goal in life is to get approved by God or to get loved by God, get blessed by God, I have good news for you. It's all yours. His love, his blessings, the promises of God, it's already yours because the cross worked. We can't live life like the cross never happened. The cross made a difference. Your sin doesn't hold more power than the cross. Your bad words, your bad performance doesn't hold more power than the blood of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God because if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be even close to where I am today. And so if we learn to be good stewards with the things that we've been given by grace, well, the pendulum won't swing so far out. We'll say, I don't have to live that life that I've always lived anymore. I get to experience something new, and I get to experience more fulfillment than I ever thought I could before. And I, get to start, I start to look at the things that I get to, that God's given me, and I, I do it to the best of my ability because I know that God's made me for something great. And that's what verse 11 says. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Everything that we do, we do it using his power. You have the power of God that raised Christ from the dead. You have everything you need for life and godliness. What are you doing with it? The definition of stewardship, I'm going to read it twice so you can write it down. The definition of stewardship is protecting and expanding the assets of another. Protecting and expanding the assets of another. When you realize that you're not the owner of this life, you're a steward of this life. When you understand that, it frees you. And it frees you to treat your life and everything in it completely differently. Giving, for example, a lot of people, oh, I don't have have it to give. But if, if I had all the money in the world and I said, give whatever you want, you would probably give more. And that is a reality for us in the kingdom. As children of God, you have the kingdom of God at your disposal. Now, that doesn't mean... I mean, it's, it's between you and God, how much you give and what you do with it, but don't use your lack as a reason not to step out. Use your lack as an opportunity to say, you know what? This is what's gotten me this far. And now I'm done living the life that I've always lived. And I'm going to acknowledge God as my provider. And whenever I give, he's gonna give me more to give. There's always more than enough. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. This isn't the, the hokey prosperity gospel. This is how the kingdom works. And whenever you are a good steward with what you've been given, God will find ways to bring you more. Now, we we connect it to finances all the time, but it's true with our, our body. How are we treating this temple? How are we taking care of this thing? How are we taking care of our soul, our emotional life? Are we letting the world beat us up? If we are, it means we're not being good stewards with what we have because we're more than conquerors in this world. As he is, so are you in this world. Are we living life that way? We need to see this life. This is not our own life. We are just stewards of it because God has a bigger plan. He has something. He wants to reach the world with this message. And if we're too afraid to step into something, that means we're holding it in. It's like the workers that uh, that were given the talents. One was given one. One was given five. One was given ten. The one that had a little just went and buried it. He did nothing with it, and he was he was rebuked by the master because of it. God wants to, he could have taken that one talent person, and if the one talent person was a better steward with it, he could have turned it to two, then four, then eight, and that one talent person could have become, he could have passed the ten talent person up if he understood that this wasn't even his to begin with. Am I making sense? This is so vitally important. And this has been on my mind a lot lately, especially, and, and I've been talking about the new year a lot. New year, new you, and all the cheesy stuff that we say. But the, the new year is an opportunity. We got all the spending all the, on all the gifts behind us. We got all the eating, all the food behind us. And now it's just a good time of not a lot going on for a while, except this potluck today, of course. You start your diet tomorrow. But the, 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 this, this is a time where it's like, what are we doing? I look at my life, and right where... I am today is a sum total of every decision I've ever made. So if I don't like where I am today, I got to start making better decisions. Bad stuff will happen. This isn't like, I mean, we've always said that at this church. It doesn't mean just because you're a believer doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen to you, but how you respond to the storms will change. Things will start, you'll, you'll respond differently and you'll look at it different. You'll be able to handle it different and it won't knock you down like it used to anymore. And you can get over it so much faster. That's when we can be anxious for nothing. That's when we can let not our heart be troubled because we know who we are. We know whose we are and we're going to start stewarding all that that was given to us uh, by grace through faith. And that's when we experience it. In the beginning... God spent six days creating everything man would ever need. Six days. Almost six full days. And, and at the very end, once everything was in place, God created man in his image. And it says in verse 28, Genesis 1:28, then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. They were just given everything. And you think, oh, cool. Now they can just skip through the garden and just rest and maybe make a hammock under the tree. Go backpacking. That would be cool. Go, go hike a mountain. Go enjoy this creation. Enjoy everything that God's given them. And they could have. And after a while, those things would have just deteriorated. They were given instruction. They're given instruction to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. In other words, steward what they had been given. Man's job was and still is to receive from God, protect it, and expand it. These are the greater things that Jesus says. These things you will do and greater things. You've been given this. What are you gonna do with it? Steward it, protect it, expand it. A definition, one definition of subdue is to dominate or have control over. You are created to dominate, not be dominated. You're created to dominate, not be dominated life will throw things at you in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, no matter what, because life kind of stinks sometimes. And some of it is our own fault. And some of it isn't. Sometimes other people make poor choices that affect us. But even in that, you can still be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. The Amplified of John 16, 33 says that I've deprived it of power to harm you. We're created to dominate, not be dominated. Psalm 8, I love this passage. A friend of mine, Arthur Menches, some of y'all know who that is. He's an instructor at Karis Bible College. He wrote a book called Who is Man? I really encourage you to buy it if you haven't already. I'm, we're trying to get him down here in the spring. We'll see. Uh, but he has a, there's a course at Karis that call, is called Who is Man? And, and the book is really good as well. But it's, starting it, it's about Psalm 8. Starting in verse three, it says, "When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man which you that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels." I'm going to stop real quick right here because I used to think, because of this verse, that there's this hierarchy of uh, there's God and there's angels. And then there's me. And so, and some people even pray to angels or send your angels or angels do this and, and but, but the Hebrew here isn't talking about, it's, it's actually a poor translation of it. It's for you have made him a little lower than the Hebrew word is Elohim, God. I don't know why it's translated angels, but it's actually, you have made him a little lower than God. You're not God, but you're made in the image of God. A little just a little lower than God himself. You're not the owner, you're the steward. That's powerful. Just a little lower than God. You are powerful. Do you know how powerful you are? And if you think about your life and not just not just money, not just stuff, not just items but areas of of your life is does that reflect that i am just a little lower than god god himself made in the image of god i am a creator god is a creator i am a creator and he's given me the power to live heaven on earth so what areas of my life are reflective of that or not if none of it is great you have some work to do and that's exciting It's not not a beat you up message. This This is something that should motivate you to say, you know what, I am powerful. I do have the power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of me. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. I am accepted in the beloved. I am healed. I am successful and prosperous. These are all things that God says about me and not only does he say it, he's already placed it on the inside of me. Right in my spirit, I'm a possessor of the kingdom of God. We don't have to go there because I've said it a lot, but Luke 17 20 says the kingdom isn't something to look forward to. It's something that you are in possession of. The kingdom of God is within you. We should be living our life that way and always be reminding ourselves of that. Why am I putting up with this? Last week, and we talked about it on Wednesday too, but it it was a good example. We were talking about faith and how we put our faith in certain things and we don't even give it much thought. Like these chairs. You just sat in these chairs this morning. You didn't hope that the legs would withstand your weight. Hopefully, you—you you were it was, it was just something you did. You had complete faith that these chairs were going to hold up because cha- that's just what chairs do. But if the chair didn't, and it went against what you were expecting, you would have been mad, you would have been embarrassed, and you'd probably get out of here. And now, if we had that same mentality with our faith pertaining to any of this stuff, when thing, that We should just be in expectation of healing, of, of abundance in every area, peace, joy. And whenever it's not lining up the way that it, it's created to, it should embarrass us. It should frustrate us. And we should get out of that situation as quickly as possible. We shouldn't just expect things to dominate us. We should dominate. We're created to dominate. We're created to steward these things, protect it, and expand it. But too many times, we're more surprised when a healing happens. And it's like, woo, we celebrate. And don't don't misunderstand. We should celebrate when those things happen. But it shouldn't be shocking to us. This should be, oh, yeah, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it happen? I'm in confident expectation that when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. They shall recover. Why? Because I am stewarding what I've been given. I have the power of God that raised Christ from the dead on on the inside of me. So why wouldn't this happen? Why wouldn't I experience heaven on earth? And if I'm not, it should frustrate me. But the good news is you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into all truth. And you involve him in it, and the ship starts to recorrect. And that course correction starts to take place. And then you start to experience it because all you need to start is a desire. I'm done living life as I've always lived. I'm done being dominated by life. I'm gonna start stewarding things better. I'm gonna take what I've been given and I'm gonna experience the, what God actually wants me to experience in this life. And, when it, it, and then things start to work out. I mean, we were poor stewards with our finances. And my mentality was, I made this bed, I'll make it. And then once I make the bed, then God can do whatever he wants in, this, in my finances. That's not how God is. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I had a desire, Laura and I had a desire to change and doors started to open. We started to pray and speak life over our finances and, think, and that stuff was paid off in a supernatural amount of time. You don't have to wait. You have to, Even if it's the, the bed that you've made, you don't have to make it yourself. Or you messed up, I should say. You don't have to, to make it yourself. God is there every step of the way. He'll meet you at the bottom of the pit. It's not your power. It's his power. But are you stewarding it? This is the now what message. There we love the grace message cuz it's all free. Everything's given. Yay! That's awesome. But now what? Do you want 2022 to look better than 2021? Let's learn to be good stewards. Let's protect, expand, and dominate. Not I mean dominate's kind of a harsh word. You go out in there and like slaughter people. That's not that's not Yeah, sorry Michael. But the the some of y'all got real excited until that point, but the, the, it's more, don't let things dominate you, you're the master of this ship, or God is, but you know what I'm saying, he's given you that power, he's given you control, it's not going to happen automatically, we have to realize, because many times when things go wrong, well, everything happens for a reason, and we push the blame off on God, Very seldom do you hear it whenever something's going really good in someone's life. And you get, come across, you know, your business is prospering or whatever. You everything happens for a reason. No one says it then. It's always the bad stuff. God's not behind your pain. He's not the author of your pain. There's a thief that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is you have the power to, to regain what was lost. What are we doing with it? This, this series is about stewardship, and we're going to break down different areas of our life and what we can do to steward things better and hopefully encourage you in those areas. But I want to make this series as practical as I possibly can. And that's what I try to do with every message. But what, what is certain things that we can start today? Right now, just start with that desire. I'm telling you, if you just say, this is, I'm tired of living this, whatever it is in your life. Just say, Lord, I'm tired. I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for your will to be done in this situation, in this area of my life. And watch what happens. Start putting your hand to something. Become givers. Become, we're not just, it's not about consuming. Our society is, we're, we're consumers. And we're a, what's in it for me? Mentality, But I'm telling you, if you help God build his kingdom, he will help you build yours. But that's not why you do it. But as grace, as grace believers, the gospel of grace, we should be so loving, so generous. And when we think of ministry, we think of this. But maybe your ministry is installing garage doors. Or truck accessories, or ammo, even. And, you know, it's just, there, there's, I mean, you take these principles, these kingdom principles, and apply them accordingly, because you have a ministry. You have an opportunity, not to go preach at people, but to show them what happens when you have this relationship with God the Father. That you are a generous person, that you are a loving person. When people are hateful to you, you don't respond that way. I made it, I heard a minister say this years ago, but when he goes out to a restaurant, he tips minimum 20%, even if it's horrible service. He said, I'm not doing that because they're always honorable. I'm doing it because I am. And so ever since then, I I hated that he said that because it spoke to me and I've been doing it for like eight years, but so now it's minimum 20%. You're getting 20% even if you spit in my food. Hopefully that hasn't happened. I don't think it has, hopefully. But yeah, that's what, but if it is, I mean, that's bare minimum, 20% you're getting from me. So if it's really good service, you might get 100%. And that's how we should be. We're generous people. We're loving people. And as you do that, God will expand your kingdom. Your area of influence will change. Whenever I started at that church, we started greeting, mowing, painting, fixing stuff around. We built walls. I mean, there was every, every opportunity we had, we would take. And our area of influence started to grow. And that's when, I mean, how important is it to, I mean, a youth pastor is one of the most important jobs anyone could have. Children's ministry, this is vital. We, we want to pr- prepare them now so we don't have to repair them later. So like that, that was, I took that just like the, the verse said, uh, I lost it here. First Peter 4, again, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. When you use your gift that you have received, past tense, to serve others, things will start to break loose in your life. You will start, start to prosper. I watched a guy, Gary Vee, He's got bad words, so I don't recommend him. I'll just I'll watch it so you don't have to. But the, he says that all the time. He's not believing God for anything, but he he says whenever you set, if you make your goal something that will benefit others, you the money will follow. He's not even believing God. This this is a kingdom principle that starts to take place. So again, I encourage you to start at ten percent if you're if you're just starting out, but make it a goal. I want to live off 10% and give the rest away, but I'm going to have to prosper quite a bit more in that. So we haven't arrived, but we've left and I'm stepping out in faith. Sometimes I give when I don't have it. Sometimes I give whenever it could, I really want this cool camera, but I'm going to do this and doors will open. Doors do open. Everything that you need is already right here. Now it's up to you to steward it and put the pieces together. I'll end with just one more verse here. Ecclesiastes 1, 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. When God created this world, he created everything. Everything. This podium was created when he spoke those items into existence. He just needed somebody to put the pieces together. This projector was already here when God spoke this world into existence, and he just needed someone to put the pieces together. This iPad, everything that we see was here the moment God spoke everything into existence. He just needed the right people to get their thinking in line with what he wanted to do so it could be created. And the same is true with the life that he's called you to do. It's all here, he just needs you to get in line in your belief system, in your thinking, in your stewardship and start putting the pieces together and it will become something. And it'll become something great. It'll become something great for you and it'll become something great for the world. But you have to believe it. You have to understand it, and you have to start acting on it and steward it. Steward it correctly. Possess it. Protect it. Expand it. Dominate it. And you will prosper. I promise you. I promise you. Isn't that good news? Man, you are powerful. We are powerful. Let's, let's let our lives reflect that power. Every aspect. Spirit, soul, and body. Let's steward it. We're going to talk more about it as the series goes on. Amen.